You're listening to a Centro Church podcast. Thank you, Pastor Brett, for that incredible intro. Um, yeah, I love this house and I really love serving God. So I'm really excited to be here and consider it an absolute privilege and an honour. Hey, if you're a young adult, we have a conference coming up in October from the 8th to the 10th. And we have Pastor Dustin Bell, who is an incredible pastor from Calvary Church. He's preached all around the world, so you do not want to miss this. Details are on the screen behind me. You know, tonight I'm speaking as part of a series our church has been doing called Nevertheless. And we've been looking at this one key verse from the Bible in Jeremiah 33, verse 6 to 9. And it says, Nevertheless, The time will come when I will heal Jerusalem's wounds and give it prosperity and true peace. I will restore the fortunes of Judah and Israel and rebuild their towns. I will cleanse them of their sins against me and forgive all their sins of rebellion. I will... Then this city will bring me joy, glory and honour before all the nations of the earth. The people of the world will call... Will see all the good I do for my people, they will tremble with awe at peace and prosperity I provide for them. You know what's really cool is that our church is actually believing this for Ipswich. Um, we are entering into a really incredible season and we get to be a part of that. Um, but tonight I'm speaking about something a little bit different. Have you ever heard of the saying, we're all in the same boat? Sometimes it may seem that way, but I think a better way to put it is not that we're all in the same boat, because some of you may feel like you're in a yacht, cruising around the wet Sundays. Some of you may feel like you're in a canoe, striving to get somewhere. Some of you may not even feel like you're in a boat at all, and you might feel like you're drowning, but we're all in the same storm. Whether you're facing a storm right now, whether you've faced one before, or you're about to face one, It's pretty much inevitable. We can't escape the storms of life. But there is a way to not only survive them and come out of them unscathed, but to come out of them experiencing the blessing and the goodness of God. Jeremiah 29, 11 to 14 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me, and when you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. You know what this verse is saying? That God already knows your future. He says it right in his word. He already knows the storms that you've already faced or you're about to face. How many of us have faced a physical storm? You know, you may have been caught in the 2011 floods or just recently we had all that hail damage that hit Springfield. Um, I personally haven't been affected by either of these storms, but I have seen the damage a storm like this can do and the cleanup and the mess that has to happen afterwards. But not only that, the emotional toll and the stress that it can have on families is quite significant. But you know what absolutely fascinates me about a storm is that in a moment, in an instant, it comes through and it does so much damage. And it's done very quickly, but then 
the following of the destruction takes years of rebuilding or emotional stress and finances that are lost, but I don't believe that that's the end. I believe God has something far greater than that for us. Just like a physical storm, metaphorically speaking, there are storms that we face in our daily lives. And in a room this big, I'm not silly to think that some of you are probably facing some of these right now. Maybe you're facing some financial stress. Maybe you're grieving the death of a loved one. Maybe you're battling an addiction. Maybe you're battling betrayal from a friendship or something that you thought was going to exist forever and now is being taken away from you. But although there are disasters, sin, pain and hurt, the Holy Spirit has a desire to replace these things with peace and prosperity. Nevertheless is what that verse says. You know, just two weeks ago, my nana passed away and she had been battling severe depression for a very long time and chronic pain, and yet she knew God. You know, none of us are immune to the storms or the pain even when we believe in God. God didn't promise us an easy life or a life without suffering and hardship, but he did promise that he would never leave us or forsake us, that nothing could ever separate his love from us. Romans 8 verse 16 to 18 says... The Spirit testifies himself with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Are you suffering without Christ and therefore not sharing in his glory? I think anyone who knows me and knows the journey I've been on could probably say I've experienced my fair share of pain and suffering. My parents separated when I was 13 years old. My dad suffered depression pretty much my entire life. And when I was 20 years old, he committed suicide. I've had many family members pass away. I can't even tell you the number of funerals that I've spoken at. I'm very familiar with what grief feels like, but not just physical grief, because I understand that grief can happen because of things that were hoped for that have not actually taken place, and hope deferred, you could say. But one thing I constantly say is that I would much rather go through this life with God than without Him. And you know why? Because there is still hope for us There is still God's love to surround you and comfort you, even when you don't understand, even when you're doubting him. He doesn't give up on us, even when we've given up on him. And you know, if I didn't tell you these things, you probably wouldn't know the suffering that I've been through, because that is the evidence of God's glory in my life. And you know, you might be tempted to think, but I want what she has, or anyone else's life for that matter but I'm not sure you'd want to go through the suffering I've been through to get here. So what do we do when our reality doesn't line up with our beliefs or the amount of faith that we have? I want to share with you a story in the Bible where Jesus calms the storm. So Mark 4 verse 35 to 41 should be on the screen. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. 
Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was, we're talking about Jesus here, by the way, in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. I want to leave you with five anchors for whenever you face a storm. Just things that I've learned on my journey. You know, the disciples did what Jesus asked. They were doing good things for him, and yet they still found themselves in a storm. Have you ever thought you were obeying God, you're doing good things for him, all that he asked of you, and it didn't lead to the outcome that you were hoping for? I've experienced this more than once. You see, you can be in the exact place that you believed God had put you in. You can be chasing after God, going in the direction that he's leading you, and yet the outcome that you thought was going to result could end up being the exact opposite. The disciples, who are basically Jesus' friends, whom he'd asked to go on the journey with him, put their trust in him, believing they'd be cared for, believing they'd be protected, and yet they were following their friend just as he asked, and they were stuck in a massive storm. I can't think of anything scarier than being stuck in a boat with these 10-foot waves coming over you. To be thinking in that moment that you could possibly die is quite extreme compared to some of the storms we've probably been through. (laughs) But it was quite stressful, I'm sure. The first anchor I want to leave with you is absolute obedience. The disciples were facing something unpredicted, unexpected, that made them feel completely out of their depth, but they failed to recognize who was with them. You know, you're not alone in your storm. This virus, COVID, has been making it really hard for us to socialize with people. It's isolated us. It's told us to go home and separate yourself from everybody else. But you need to remember who is in your boat. When you're, when you're in your home or you're feeling alone, remember who's in your house and remember who's right in the middle of that storm with you. Then it says in verse 38, Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. <laughs> Jesus appeared to be doing nothing. He was being quiet. He was asleep. Do you ever feel like the most amount of turmoil, when the most amount of turmoil in your life is happening, God seems silent? Then in your frustration, have you ever cried out to God, being like, God, what are you doing? I was obedient to you. Can't you see I'm in a state and I'm barely holding on? You know, I think the answer is in this verse. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? When God seems silent, do you go silent? Here is Jesus sleeping soundly while the rest of them were stressing out. And you know what this reminds me of? Have you ever 
been really mad at your partner or a friend or something and you wanted them to figure out that you were mad at them or what the issue was without actually telling them what it, what it is and so you give them the silent treatment. I think sometimes we do this with God. I think that we think, well, God hasn't given me what I wanted so therefore I'm going to give him the silent treatment. Just like your partner is right in front of you, why would you not go to them and communicate your issues with them? It could be solved in pretty much a moment. Do you stop crying out to God and do you stop being real with your situation? Do you complain to everyone else around you and yet not go to God himself? Why would you not go to the creator of the universe? The same person who said, let there be light, was the same person who said, let us go over to the other side. Do you trust that if God has brought you to it, that he's going to bring you through it? I think Jesus was sleeping because he trusted his father. That trust led to peace. That peace gave him the ability to sleep. I wonder if some of you are having sleeping problems here tonight. You know, God is relational. He absolutely loves you. He wants to have a relationship with you. But do you know what a relationship requires? Not someone who's being fake or pretending that they're okay all the time. It requires absolute vulnerability. I think God actually wants to know that we're not doing okay. I think he wants us to go to him and tell him and say, God, this is not going well for me right now. I need help. Even when we are afraid, literally cry out to him, surrender all your emotions, tell him you're angry. Tell him life isn't fair. He is the absolute comforter. He says, seek me and you'll find me. I think some of us are sometimes afraid to actually be real with God and tell him how we're feeling, like as if we're angry at him that he'll smart us down from the sky or something. I don't think he does. The disciples went to Jesus. They actively did something. How are you supposed to find him if you've gone silent and you aren't crying out to him? Know that Jesus travels with you. He's already in your boat. You actually don't have to go looking very far. Lamentations 3 verse 19 to 22 says, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. In exactly a moment, God can do all you ask. So why doesn't he sometimes? You know, I think Jesus probably could have prevented this entire storm together. He could have stopped it from coming. He could have at least woken up before the disciples came running for him. But it has more to do with your level of faith and what you learn on the journey, then you could understand if God came in and saved you from every hard situation that you face. The third anchor we have to lower is bold faith. If you were rescued from every hard thing that you ever faced, what would that teach you? How could you possibly grow? We wouldn't have to learn how to trust God. We'd never experience what faith actually is or what it means to truly rely on God with our whole being. And you wouldn't do this with a child, would you? I'm not a parent, but I'm sure it's not easy to watch your child go through difficult things in life. 
But if you swooped in and rescued your child from every single hard thing that they ever faced, how could they learn resilience and how could they grow? What would that even teach them? Even when you discipline a child, you are helping them to navigate through life. You're not disciplining them because you hate them or you want them to pay back for what they have done wrong. No, you correct because that is what love absolutely requires. Equally, Jesus went to the cross to pay the price for our sins so that we never ever have to pay pay the price that we deserve to pay for the things that we have done wrong. But there are still things that we have to journey through and experience. Correction that will come in love because it is still what is required. But that takes faith to trust that God knows what is best for you and is working all things together for the good of those who love him just as he promises. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I'm sure all of us in the moment that our parents are disciplining us and correcting us cannot see and cannot understand why they are doing what they are doing. I can tell you now the tantrums and the cries that my mom has had to experience because of me. Sometimes we don't always know what God is up to, but we can trust just as a loving parent that he is doing whatever he is doing for our benefit in the long run for the things that we hope for and we ultimately want. The next anchor, number four, we need to have is a consistent relationship. When we cry out to God, he says that he will deliver us from that storm. You know, you, you don't actually have to stay in the mess and, and you definitely don't have to be permanently affected by it. I don't know about you, but when you're in a storm, sometimes it can seem all-consuming Sometimes it feels like you have to push it down just to keep going and to survive. But don't do this. The best thing that you can actually do is face it head on, but with Jesus in your boat. It's God who will get you through to the other side, not yourself, nor anyone else. He's the one with the power and the authority to do so. I've been in this place too many times before. I can tell you now I've tried everything positive, Everything that will, pushing it down, keeping busy, eating well, exercising, not talking about it, talking about it, seeing a psychologist. And none of these things are necessarily bad. And they may be for a time all these things need to be outworked. However, doing any of these things without keeping God close will result result in disappointment and hopelessness. And you'll be back to the start, staying stuck in a cycle, trying to do these things over and over again, wondering why you're still not feeling happy in yourself, why you're still struggling with the same thing that you were five years ago, because none of these things are permanent solutions. They may fix the symptoms, but they never penetrate through to the real issue. So what is the real issue? It's pride. You're trying to go it alone. It's as if you've thrown Jesus out of your boat or you're not even acknowledging him in the first place. You're looking at every other option and solution outside of him, and I can tell you now, it doesn't work. I mean, how can you actually fight a storm? Like, seriously, like a real massive storm that's coming at you. 
You actually can't. It's not like there's a toad in your house and you can just go and find a tennis racket somewhere or a baseball bat and bang that thing out of your house. Or what's worse is we've had snakes in my house in Caralee before. Um, But no, you actually have to surrender yourself to the storm because if you try and fight it, you're actually going to exhaust yourself even more and you probably end up dead. (laughs) Sorry, that's a bit extreme. (laughs) See, we don't have the power to fight some of these storms. We need the Holy Spirit to consume our lives. And I don't know if you know who the Holy Spirit is. Maybe you don't. God exists as the Father, the Son who is Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. He is three persons in one. The Bible talks about how when Jesus went back to heaven. He didn't leave us alone here. He actually sent his Holy Spirit to help us and to guide us. And at the end of this message, I'm actually going to give you the opportunity to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit because it is a simple prayer, but I promise you that it will change your life forever. Number five, last one. The fifth anchor you need whenever you face a storm is unshakable confidence. Don't let fear stop you. Often when we are afraid, when we are afraid, we forget to activate our faith. I believe faith is like a muscle. We must activate it and engage it for it to work. The same power and authority that God has is actually available to us to do the same works, but we just need to know how to activate it. You know, I've been getting physio for the past couple of months for this ongoing lower back pain issue that I've been having. Um, And you know what the physio believes is the cause of this? Gabby's laughing because she's my physio. (laughs) Because I haven't been activating my glute muscle when I've been working out. Instead, I've been trying to take the easy way out and use my back. How painful. (laughs) Did you know that by faith and authority, you can calm your own storms? Even the disciples, Jesus' followers, his friends, they doubted him and they were afraid. But Jesus didn't give up on them. He acted immediately in that moment. If your faith is weak or you feel like you've failed before, have another go. Because even if you doubt and don't know just yet how to do this, Jesus will always step in if we cry out to him. He's never going to let us sink. And even when we fail to trust God, even when we've tried to do things our own way and it hasn't worked, when we cry out to God, he will absolutely deliver us. Because that's the opposite of pride. I've been learning in my lectures at the moment that how we in the Western world are trained to see the world as 100% understandable and to act as though creation is fully in our control. We are trained to act as though the world were independent from God. But the disciples understood the total opposite of this. Experiencing a storm like this was seen as an act from God. They understood that God controls the wind and the waves. The disciples were afraid, but they also knew who to turn to in the face of their uncertainty. God promises peace and prosperity, and it's in him and only him who provides this. So if you aren't living in this kind of freedom, then it should be prompting you to ask why. Did you know that Jesus was truly God and truly human? Even Jesus cried and wept the death of his loved ones. You know, just as I've talked about the suffering that we go through, which a lot of the time 
it isn't our choice to suffer. I mean, who would choose to suffer if they didn't have to? But did you know that's exactly what God did? I felt overwhelmed writing this because why would he do that? Why would he go to the cross and suffer a death unimaginable? He did this because he loves us so much, because he wanted to stand in the gap once and for all for holiness and humanity. He wanted us to know him, to truly know him, like you know a friend or a partner. You may not know God and you may be thinking, but God's up there and why does he save who he wants to save while everyone else suffers in this mess? You know, you're looking at this all wrong. It's God who suffers, so he sent Jesus to save. Don't you think God weeps at the state of what's going on in our world right now? Suffering was actually never God's plan. Learning the identity of Jesus is costly and a lifelong process, but I ask you, do you want to know him? Because we can live in the truth that God's goodness and love are triumphant over suffering and death. So as I asked you earlier, do you know the Holy Spirit? Like, do you actually know him, like, intimately, everyday type conversations? Because if you don't, or you once did, but you feel like maybe you're distant from God right now, I want to give you the opportunity to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit to meet with God right now. So as we come into a time of reflection, if everyone could just close their eyes and bow their head, I actually want to pray for you if you want this gift, if you want to know Jesus personally, not just this idea of a God who is distant and doesn't care, but a God who does love us and wants to have relationship with us. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to put your hand up just so I know who to include in this prayer. So if that's you, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and I'm going to pray with you tonight. One, two, three. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for those hands. You know, if your heart's racing really fast right now or you're wondering if this is actually for you, can I just say, take a risk. You have nothing to lose by praying this prayer. And, you know, you don't have to put your hand up, but by praying this prayer on the inside of your heart, you are saying that you believe that God is who he says he is. So I'm gonna walk you through that right now. Get everyone to say this after me. Dear God, thank you for your sacrifice and that you first loved us. We acknowledge that we've lived life our own way. We turn from our sin and enter into a life-giving relationship with you. Be the Lord and Saviour of my life. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this podcast.